in today's show. It's time for another Mock Draft. Mock Draft 2.0, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. So it's time for a mock draft. I'm recording this before game two of the NBA Finals. Boston with that huge um, comeback in game one, obviously. I initially picked the Warriors in seven. Yeah, When you pick a series in seven, it means you sort of don't know which way it's going to go. And if Boston hadn't have gone to seven games against Miami, I would have picked Boston in that series. I just thought that extra game, the extra rest gave the Warriors the advantage, especially in game one. Well, that obviously wasn't the case. But still, I'm not going to change my pick after game one, but I'll stick with Warriors in seven. But Boston looks pretty good. Um, Warriors look pretty good as well. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens in game two. Of course, also in NBA news today, Quinn Snyder has stepped down from the Utah Jazz. Does that mean that he will go to another team? I don't know. The only real option at the moment, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure you will if you're here on YouTube, uh, is it just Charlotte that's waiting for their coach to be announced? Or is there someone else that I'm missing? I think it's just Charlotte. Um, So Quinn probably has a year off, and then maybe a job opens up for him next season. Obviously, the Utah job's open, but he's not going back and getting that one. So we'll see exactly what that happens, but that's just happened an hour or so ago. This, this show is actually probably releasing while Game 2 is on, so if there's no one watching the live premiere, I understand that as well. A reminder, with these mock drafts, I will do a mock draft where I try and predict what will happen. This is not this mock draft. This is me going through my process over the weeks to try and determine how I value the players. So when I do a mock draft and someone comes in and goes, there is no way that this guy is getting picked by this team, right? That's cool. I don't care. It's not what the point of it is. It's not me saying that this team will pick this guy. It's me saying, if I was this team, I would pick this player. That is what this is. It's sort of my big board meshing in with how I view teams and their needs. Not about whether, hey, it looks like it's a lock that Jabari Smith's going to Orlando. Cool. I tend to agree. That's how things seem to be looking. Not what I would do. And that doesn't matter. That, so that's, that's what this mock is about. So if you are tempted to write a comment, this player is definitely not getting picked by this team. Just understand that um, that's not the purpose of this. It's not the purpose of me to tell you that this team is going to pick this player. This is what I would pick for this team if I was magically the GM of all 30 teams, which sounds like a terrible job, to be honest, to be the GM for all 30 teams. Now that all that is out of the way, should we go in and, yeah, let's go in and start things off. And look at the top four. Same top four as Mock Draft 1.0. Except the order's a little bit different. Um, I talked about when I did the first Mock Draft last week that I was really debating the value of these guys or where they all sit. And I think I do have Chet Holmgren as a little bit of an above 
guy. So like a, a tier one and these other guys are maybe tier 1.5. So I'm sticking with Chet at number one. The amount of comments I've got, I can't wait to talk about Chet in the draft prospect profiles that we do. I don't know if he's coming up this week or next week. But the amount of people, he's going to be a bust. He's definitely a bust. He's a bust. He's too skinny. He's a bust. He's going to get beaten up. And I just don't believe that. I just don't believe that. I think what he was able to do in college is remarkable. He did the same thing in high school. He's been this top prospect for years. And yes, he is skinny, sure. There are plenty of skinny players in the NBA. I think that Chet will start as a four. Maybe he moves to a five. You know what? He's not that much lighter than Evan Mobley. I think he's like five pounds lighter. It's not that big of a difference. Yes, he's a little bit taller. Right. The, the weight at this point doesn't worry me. I just think that what he's able to do, he's got passing ability, he's got shooting ability, he's got offensive ability, he's got switch ability, he's got rim protection ability, he's a very good rebounder, he's an absolute, almost swore really badly, he's an absolute hard ass out on the court as well, and I just really like what he can do. And it doesn't bother me that, oh, the Magic will never pick him because they've got Mo Bamba. If you are making any NBA draft decisions because you've got the restricted rights to Mo Bamba, you might as well resign. You might as well resign right now. I don't think Bumba might be back, but you do not make any decisions on the future of your franchise based on Mo Bumba. You don't make them based on John Isaac. You don't make them based on Wendell Carter Jr. for as much as I like Wendell Carter Jr. You don't make them based on Truman Kiki. You don't make any of those decisions based on any of those guys. You don't make them based on Markel Fultz or Cole Anthony or even probably Jalen Suggs. Maybe Wagner's the only guy you go, oh, I like what he did, but he's not a one. He's a two or a three, not, not a one position, but like he's not your number one you are my lead guide leading a team to the playoffs, Franz Wagner. He's a two, he's your third guy, a really good one, or, or perhaps a, a quite good second guy. So you don't make those decisions. Well, I've got Bumba, so Chet, see you later. Can't take you because we've got Bumba. All right, cool. Was that enough on that? Fired up this morning. Got a new coffee machine. I think it provides way more caffeine than the old one. You see the old one here next to me, but I've got a new one. I've got the full like barista setup grinding beans. I know you all don't care about that, but that's where we are. Number two, Oklahoma City. Jabari Smith. Again, these picks will probably be reversed in the real draft. This is how I would do it. Jabari's shooting is really, really important. It's very, very strong. And the differentiation, that, that puts him ahead of those. I don't really see my top two changing, to be honest. Smith, great compliment to Shea and Giddy. I like that combination. They do need a center. They've got another top 12 pick. We'll talk about that later. Smith will play some small ball four and small ball five maybe at times. I, I just think that the shooting for him is really good. I think it's real. I think the ability to be a 1B or a 1A offensive option is there for him. And it just feels perfect to me for OKC. They won't get the real life opportunity to do this, but it's perfect at the moment, I think. This is where the change is at number three. Last time I had Paolo Banquero, and I changed it to Jaden Ivey. And, and I preempted that in the last mock draft. I said, I'm not sure about this. I'm going to put Paolo here now, but I'm not sure it's going to stick. And it didn't stick for me. I put Ivey at number three. Ivey is 6'4 guard out of Purdue. There's really strong slashing ability, really good athletic ability. The passing's not quite there. We know that. Um, I think some of his shooting stuff has got significant room to improve. Defensive tenacity is pretty good. Bunkero put up some good numbers. I am not 100% sure with Bunkero what 
how it all goes in the NBA. I know people will say he's definitely the best prospect, and I totally understand and respect that opinion. I think he could be good. But there is a, I look at it and go, there is a situation here with Bunkero, and we just might as well just put three and four together. Polo's going at four to the Kings, which I think is a perfect fit for them. Well, is it perfect, actually? We'll talk about that. I might talk about that in a second. But is there a chance that Bunkero isn't quite good enough to guard fours and isn't strong enough and have enough rim protection to guard fives, leaving him a little bit like fellow Duke, fellow Duke player previously, Jabari Parker? Is there a chance he's that? And Jabari, obviously, his career was really stalled by the two ACLs. But is there a chance that Bunkero is sort of Jabari Parkerish? Now, Bunkero's passing is really good, and that's a nice string to his bow. And I probably will flip and flop between Bunkero and Ivy at three and four this whole process. I don't really see any of them moving up to two. I don't see any of them sliding down to five. But I also look at this top four and go, this is how I've got them at the moment. But I also feel like at the end of the 2022-2023 season, they won't be the top four guys. One of these guys will have some struggles that will make them drop them drop down. I just don't know how that is at this point. So what do you think of the top four? What do you think of me moving Bunkero down to four? The Sabonis Bunkero fit might be a bit odd. It might be a bit odd. But again, if I'm Sacramento, and I'm not, because if I was, I wouldn't have done almost any move they've done in the last 10 years. If yeah, I wouldn't be saying, well, I've got Sabonis and there's our future sorted. So it could be a bit iffy at first, but we'll see. We'll see what that ends up doing. But I'll tell you what isn't iffy. That is Bet Online. It's your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all the latest developments, news, and odds, including the NBA Finals. That's on today. You can see all of your odds for the NBA Finals over at Bet Online. You can also see NFL futures. You can see Stanley Cup playoffs. Who's going to win the Stanley Cup? It's got to be the Avs, yeah? Colorado. I know it's not a hockey podcast, but surely that is who gets it. Major League Baseball, fighting news as well. Big fight down in uh, Australia yesterday. Not that I know about it. All I know about it is because Damian Lillard was here. And I was just browsing Instagram, and there's Lillard standing on a street corner in the city. Hey, hang on. That looks familiar. Anyway, we're talking better online, because that is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and more. So head to the website today, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in the action. Better online is where the game starts. Big, quick favor for you guys. We've got a survey to help make all of the shows across the network better. And there's something in it for you as well. If you head to LockedOnPodcasts, with an S, dot com, slash survey, you can find a survey really quick for you to answer some questions. And everyone who completes a survey qualifies for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. So take the audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcasts.com, slash survey. Thanks for your help. Pick five. I'm going for the Detroit Pistons at Shaden Sharp. Exactly what I had last time out. Um, I, I don't know what to make of Sharp. The whole stuff with him at Kentucky was weird. Um, had some really efficient shooting numbers through EYBL and through uh, international tournaments, but shot poorly from the free throw line. Is he anything, anything apart from a scorer? I don't know. But the Pistons have holes. Yes, they've got Sadiq Bay. You don't draft because you've got Sadiq Bay. Yes, they've got Isaiah Stewart. You don't draft around Isaiah Stewart. You draft around Cade Cunningham and everyone else is sort of fit in. Now, Cade and Sharp, maybe that works. I'm not certain on it. I'm really iffy about these next few guys. And as you can see, and if you are watching this on YouTube, you might be looking at it and going, 
how is this possible that the guy he's got at number six? We'll talk about that in a sec. But there's a lot of iffiness here. I could have taken Keegan Murray at five. I could have taken Dyson Daniels at five. An hour before I recorded this, I had Jeremy Sohan at five. And I did move him down, but I'm more and more in on Sohan as we move forward in this. And I can't wait to actually dive into him with some of these draft analysts we've got coming up during the week. Probably should tell you what we've got coming up during the week. We've got some uh, some draft analysts. Um, Mavs draft from NBA Big Board is here. We've got uh, Ben Pfeiffer, who's been on the show in the past. We've got Mitch Casey from Ball Boys. We're going to be talking um, some 2022-2021 draft comparisons. So we'll talk about them as well. Um, so a really few interesting guys coming up this week to talk draft prospects. And we're going to be covering, just quickly mention it, we'll cover Shaden Sharp this week, um, Jabari Smith, Jaden Hardy, um, who else? They're, they're probably the major guys that we're going to be covering off this week, as well as some other guys that will slide in there, but they're the guys to look forward to. Anyway, at number six, the Indiana Pacers. Last time I did the mock, I had old mate Keegan Murray here. I don't anymore. I've moved Jeremy Sohan up from seven to six. This is sort of me looking at the trends of the NBA, looking at the trends of GMs and trying to put myself in those positions. Pat Williams jumped up to number four. Isaac Okoro was picked at number four. Scotty Barnes jumped up to number four. Is Jeremy Sohan Isaac Okoro? Is he Patrick Williams? Is he Scotty Barnes? No, he's not any of those guys. But the idea is there. Wing size player, check. Defensive guy on the wing, check. Upside to be an offensive guy. Check. All of that is true. Now, out of Williams, Okoro, and Barnes, all those guys who jumped up to that four spot, one of them has turned into a really good player, and that's Scott Barnes. And I, you know, I, I was not excited about him as a prospect at all last year. I didn't see that level of improvement coming. And it might not come for Sohan as well. But the size is there. I think I've seen the flashes offensively, and I really like what he does defensively. The bloke is also 19, just turned 19. Put him on the wing in Indiana when they, they don't really have any with Tyrese, Bud. You know, I just think that that's the sort of guy that makes you win championships if it hits. At seven, I'm going with Keegan Murray and I'm just falling less and less, not in love with him because I didn't love him as a prospect anyway. I hate the age. And I know people will tell, it doesn't matter. He's 22, mate. It's not, it's not old. It isn't, but it's three years older than everybody else. So just think about when you're drafting Shaden Sharp or Jeremy Sohan or Jaden Ivey or um, yeah, Bunkero or Jabari Smith, when you're drafting any of these guys, in three years' time, in three years' time, so at the end of their third season, heading into when they're getting rookie extensions, they'll be the same age as what Keegan Murray is now. It's a massive difference. Murray did nothing as a freshman, stepped it up, in a weird offensive system that made Luca Garza the player of the year and did the same basically for Murray. How real is any of that? I'm so not convinced of it. I'm just, I'm just not. He scored a lot. He had really good defensive stats. I just don't know that it's... I just don't know that it means top four, top five. I've got him at seven, but I'm not sure it's going to stick there. Got him at seven to Portland. Him and Nasir Little on the wing, sure. No worries. Number eight, I had Dyson Daniels. He was there last time. I'm keeping him there. Defensively, I think he's really good. Offensively, there is a lot of room to grow. I'm not sure if it ever happens. But passing acumen, defensive ability, next to CJ, BI, and Zion, Valanchunas, 
pair with Herb Jones, I think it makes a ton of sense in New Orleans. A ton. I don't know if that'll actually happen, but it makes a ton of sense to me. At number nine, change from last time. In my last mock at number nine, I had the Spurs taking Johnny Davis. I don't anymore. I have AJ Griffin, who for the last two years has been really hurt, but he's an elite shooter and he's got good size and he's super young. And that all is important. Can he ever be the guy that he was sort of as a prospect? He's still a prospect, but you know, coming through high school and heading into college. Have the injuries really taken that step back? I don't know. I had him at 10 last time. So it's not a big jump up for Griffin. But that sort of scoring level or shooting level, more importantly, is interesting to look at. The college numbers don't tell you. They don't They don't give you the huge amount of faith. Like he averaged, what, 15 points per 36? It's not very good. He averaged yeah, 0.8 steals per 38. It's horrendously bad. But the level of shooting, along with your hope that the injuries have healed, it gives him something. Then the Spurs, they do need shooting. Number 10, the Washington Wizards. They had Griffin in my last mock. This time, they're taking Malachi Branham as a guard. He's always going to be a guard, but Branham, a guard out of Ohio State, 6'5", 6'6". A guy that I think can develop into a really good shot maker, scorer, maybe some passing ability, but also really good defense. I don't know what the future is of Brad Beal there. Can Beal and Branham work together in the future? Probably. I would have loved for them to get a point guard. There's just no good point guard prospects, I don't think. Well, not great ones. I was I was debating them taking the guy I had at 11, and that's Ty Ty Washington, who I've moved up a lot. I'm not sure how good of a point guard prospect he is, and I just had Branham a tier above Washington, so that's the direction I went. Um, and to me, I'm not reaching for need. If those guys, I had them more, more closely rated, then I probably would have taken Washington, but I had Branham just a level ahead. So you're spoiling it. At number 11, the New York Knicks. I do have Ty Ty Washington going. That's a big jump from Ty Ty, who I did have down at 22 last mock draft. I just think, again, the Kentucky factor. Kentucky really limits guards, and they do tend to step up. The Knicks have a guard need. I had them with Benedict Matherin last time, which I still could have easily gone with. But I'm going to stick Ty Ty up there. Yes, quickly probably should be their point guard. There is other guys like Juice McBride in that mix as well. Um, Quentin Grimes there too. But I, I think Washington with the Kentucky connection and the Kentucky talent suppression, I guess, is the it's least kind but fairest way of saying what happens to these guys in college. I'm going to stick him there. Number 12, sticking with the same as what I had last time. Jalen Duran, center from Memphis, going to Oklahoma City. He could easily be a top six player in this draft. I, I don't like spending top six picks on these sort of centers, but he's young. He's very young, youngest player in the draft. He's big. He can defend. Maybe there's a little bit of offensive upside and the fit makes sense, I believe. If you don't believe, hey, that's fine. Next pick. Which team needs a center more, Charlotte or Oklahoma City? Charlotte's taking Mark Williams again, center from Duke. Big guy, 7-2. Probably never going to be a massive offensive threat. But a big lob threat, really good rim protector, good defender. Offensive black hole, but he's just never going to get the ball that much, which is fine. 14, Benny Matherin, guard from Arizona. Is he anything apart from a scorer? I don't know. Cleveland probably needs someone as a little bit of a scoring option, considering they're starting all those bigs and just another guy that can handle. And if they lose Colin Sexton, can he move into the Colin Sexton role? I guess that's possible. 
Yeah, alongside Levert and Garland. Matherin is a guy that probably measured a little bit smaller in at the combine. Uh, 6'4 or 6'5 guard out of Arizona. That probably limits a little bit of his upside. And that's why I've dropped him down a little bit here to 14. At 15, the Hornets have another pick. And I'm going to take Tari Eason, the forward out of LSU. Really good at rebounder. I had him at 16 last time. I've got him here. He is 21, so he is a little bit older. I'm not as phased about that age part at this point in the draft versus in the top 10 or so. Eason scored really well and rebounded really well and got unbelievably high defensive numbers. And one of these things, it's not to say that they're always going to be big steal guys in the NBA, but when you put up big steal numbers in college, it's a generally pretty good indicator of some level of success in the NBA. It's not a guarantee. Nothing is. And it's not a guarantee. Donovan Mitchell, great steals guy, massive steals guy in college, translated into a good NBA player. Not a good steals player in the NBA, but a very good NBA player. Herb Jones, very big steals guy. Very good NBA player who brought good steals. So good steals in college usually tends to mean there's going to be some level of success in the NBA, whether that's defensively or offensively. It tends to, college steal numbers tend to, and we've talked about this with Kostya on the show last year, it tends to indicate a level of basketball understanding and IQ at the college level. And that's really interesting to me. So Tari Eason, they're probably going to be losing Gallinari. They might be losing John Collins. There's Jalen Johnson there. Um, yeah, Tari, oh, sorry, wrong team. Oh, that was my old one. I had him at Atlanta. Him going to Charlotte. Who knows what happens with Miles Bridges? I reckon they'll try to move off Gordon Haywood. Washington's um, rookie extension slash restricted free agency is coming up. I think Eason could fit in there, work his way into a rotation role in a year or two. At 16, it's John Davis. Moved him down from number nine down to 16. Really good rebounding guard. How useful is that? I'm not sure it's super useful. Good scorer, 20 years of age, 6'6", decent size. You know, good size on the wing there for Atlanta or as a guard for Atlanta, which they don't always have. Um, But what else? Defensively, passing, can you do any of those things? I don't know. I'm, I'm, losing, I'm losing a little bit of steam on John Davis at the moment. 17, had this one in my, 17, 18, the same as my last mock. 17, Kennedy Chandler, the point guard from Tennessee going to Houston. Go back and forward between him and Ty Ty as that best point guard um, outside of Dyson Daniels, of course, and Jaden Ivey, who are sort of more combo guards. Kennedy Chandler at 17 and EJ Liddell at 18 to the Bulls. Really good shooting, big wing defensive guy, which I think is actually perfect for what they need. Number 19, Kendall Brown. It was announced that he was out of the draft. He'd taken his name out, but that was incorrect. He is staying in the draft. I still thought he was out of the draft until yesterday when I spoke to someone. I was going, no, I was actually incorrect. I didn't see that correction. Anyway, Kendall Brown is in. 19. Another Baylor wing forward. This is what we need. We want forward-sized prospects. Number 20, the San Antonio Spurs. Last time, I, I let this guy slide down to 21 because of his name, and that's Nikola Jovic who is a 6'10", sort of a small forward, I guess, a shooting option who has defensive concerns, but they're getting shooting and size on the wing when they're playing um, uh, Keldon Johnson at the four, who's like, what, 6'5", maybe? A little bit of extra size out there on the wing, I think is pretty useful for the Spurs. At 21, taking Blake Wesley to the Denver Nuggets, guard out of Notre Dame. 
I had him at 24 last time, just getting a little bit of extra juice on this team. Who knows what they do with Will Barton and his contract and Monty Morris. So those guys hang around. They do get Jamal Murray back. Wesley's probably a little bit smaller. Would have liked a little bit of a taller player there. You know, Kendall Brown, I think, would have been good to go to Denver. But I'm going to take Blake Wesley. 22 is Memphis going with Jaden Hardy, the guard out of the G League Ignite. I had Hardy down at 29 last time to Memphis. This time, I'm bringing him up to the 22 pick for Memphis. So they took Ty Ty last time in my mock. I just think Jaden is a guy that's... Yeah, I do think there's a lot of upside in him coming from that G League Ignite program. I'm getting more and more interested in him as an NBA prospect, so I've moved him up there. Last time we did this at 23, I had the Brooklyn Nets taking this pick, but because they deferred the first round selection to next year, Philadelphia is back in at 23, and they're going to take Bryce McGowan's, the guard out of uh, Philadelphia, sorry, out of Nebraska, going to Philadelphia. Talked about McGowan's in a profile uh, last week, so you can go check that out. A nice-sized wing-slash-guard player, which is always useful. Philadelphia, you know, every team needs size on the wing at the two and the three position, and that's what he brings. Number 24, Jalen Williams, the guard out of Santa Clara, who is a really good scoring option playing for that small school, a little bit older, but when your guard depth is, you know, Grayson Allen, George Hill, Wes Matthews, Getting someone else in there that can maybe be a little bit of a scoring option for when Middleton or Drew or Giannis has to sit out, maybe Williams can develop into that. At 25, the San Antonio Spurs. Ochai Baji Didn't have him in the mock last time. Um, maybe that was... Inc- well, actually, yeah. I probably should have had him in towards the end, but I, I don't believe that he's a lottery player as some people do. He's old. He's 22. And yes, older players have had some success in drafts. Desmond Bain, look at him. I don't think Agbaji is as good as Desmond Bain. Um, I thought Bain should have been picked at like 16, 17 in his draft. Obviously, if we redrafted it now, he'd go higher. I don't think Agbaji is that sort of a player, but I do fully recognize that he's probably going to go higher than 25. But a nice shooting, scoring guard option for the Spurs there. At 26, the Dallas Mavericks, Usman Diang forward from the New Zealand Breakers. I had him much higher last time. I don't know, man. I'm just not sure that there's enough strength or it's for functional strength with him. He gets moved around too much. The shooting was bad. The last part of his season was really good, and that gives me some faith. So maybe I'm a little bit too harsh on him. And again, if I'm prioritizing young wings, I probably shouldn't be this harsh on Dieng. But I am. I've dropped him down here to 26. 27, the Miami Heat. Leonard Miller, 6'10 forward from Fort Erie, the Canadian who we haven't really seen anything from because of all the weird reclassification stuff. He's got the size. He's got the weirdo sort of floater game going. Um, I think there's defensive upside with him. I'm very interested to see what he goes. If he went at 50, I wouldn't be surprised. And if he goes at 50, then my um, hope on him drops a lot because it means NBA players are like, there's something wrong here and we're not in on it. But end of the first round, then I think there's a little bit of upside there. 28, Jake LaRavia. I didn't have him in my mock draft last time, so he's one of um, one of a few players that have jumped in. So I'm ch- uh, chucking him in here at 28 to the Warriors. He's got really good fantasy translations. I know that much. He's, a again, a wing-sized player, which is always really useful. 6'8", 20 years of age, good rebounded, good, good steal numbers again, which is pretty important also. The last... Two picks in this mock. 29, David Roddy. We did a draft profile prospect on him. A 6'5", 6'6", power forward. Guy that's just built like a brick shithouse. 
uh, super strong, um, really good defensive stuff. Um, just throwing him in in Memphis. Memphis likes these weirdo players, like a Johnny Conchar sort of a guy, Kyle Anderson sort of a player. Get him in there as a nice reserve forward. And at number 30, another new entry into this draft, Josh Minnett, forward out of Minnett. Is it Minnett or Minot? Anyway, I need to look into that one. Forward out of Memphis, 6'8", 20 years of age, good rebounder, good steal, good block numbers. That's all very encouraging. Um, from the last mock, I had uh, Patrick Baldwin in there. He's out. Marjan Beauchamp is out. And Ismail Kamagate is out. Also, Christian Braun, who I forgot to put on this graphic. I had him in there. They're the guys that are out. I probably have Braun at like 31 and Kamagate at 32, but I've dropped Baldwin and Beauchamp out. And I did bring in Minute, Agbaji, Roddy, and Laravia. They were the guys that I jumped into the draft who weren't in there last time. What did you like as the best pick in this mock draft? What did you think was the dumbest pick in this mock draft? Let me know. Drop them in the comments or tweet them at me at redrock underscore b-ball. Follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you are here on YouTube, you know what to do. Thumb it up. Drop your comments. Smash your comments. Leave a comment on every bloody pick if you want. That would be great if you could do it. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.